This is HPR episode 2383 entitled What's in my ham shack and is part of the series HAM Radio QSK. It is hosted by Steve Sainer and is about 37 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is I describe the equipment that I have and use in my amateur radio station. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello, Hacker Public Radio. My name is Steve, and I am going to talk to you today about what is in my ham shack. Now, I have participated a couple times in the Amateur Radio Roundtable episodes, and if anybody remembers following uh, some of the emails related to that, it was suggested at one point that it'd be kind of cool for uh, ham radio operators to start a show series called What's in My Ham Shack uh, and just talk about the equipment that we use and uh, what uh, what kind of a shack that we have. So this is my attempt at doing that and I hope that uh, some other ham radio operators will uh, will uh, pick up the uh, the mantle and continue forward with and make this actually a series. I think it would be kind of interesting. Uh, certainly it would be interesting to me, and it might be interesting for those that uh, are learning about amateur radio for the first time. So I thought I would uh, start by asking the question, well, what really is a ham shack? And I think that the uh, Wikipedia article uh, for Radio Shack... Uh, has kind of an introduction that uh, is worth reading here. So during radio's early days, equipment was experimental and often home-built. The first radio transmitters used a loud spark gap to generate radio waves, and so were often housed in a separate outbuilding or shed. When radio was first adopted by the U.S. Navy, a small wooden structure placed on deck to house the ship's radio equipment became known as the radio shack. Today, a radio shack can be anywhere that radio equipment is housed and operated, usually a room, such as with amateur radio stations, or for some, the entire shack may consist of a handheld radio or two, while others may operate mobile equipment in a vehicle. In amateur radio use, the room housing the equipment is often called a ham shack. End of quote. That's actually a pretty good uh, definition, I think. Uh, if somebody has a more complete or better definition or, or where that term originates, uh, I'd be interested to hear it. So that actually kind of brings me to the next point. I sort of divide... Um, amateur radio gear into three categories, or I guess maybe four. Uh, 
Um, there is portable equipment, which is equipment that is designed to be handheld devices, and it's designed to be able to carry, thus being portable. Then you have mobile equipment that's designed to use be used in a vehicle. It doesn't have to be used in a vehicle, but it's designed uh, to be optimized for mounting in a vehicle of some sort. And then you have base station gear, which is equipment that's used in a more fixed station environment. And then I guess a fourth category would just sort of be miscellaneous stuff uh, that can kind of cross the boundaries. So I have some equipment that falls into all of those categories, and I'm just going to talk about uh, what I have and what I use um, kind of category by category. So to start out with, uh, portable operations. I have two handheld radios. Um, might be called, some people might refer to them as a walkie-talkie. In amateur radio, we tend to ref call them handy-talkies. I'm not exactly sure where that came from. Um, the first one that I got was quite a number of years ago. Probably, I'm going to guess, around the two, 2010 time frame, give or take. It's an Alinko DJ-190 Handy Talkie, and I purchased it off of eBay. It was used. I think I paid around $50 for it. At the time, all I had was a mobile rig that I was using as a base station, and I'll actually talk about that after a while. And I didn't really think I had that much need for a handheld portable uh, radio, but I thought it'd be good to have one. I didn't want to spend a lot of money, and so that's what I did. Uh, this radio is strictly a two-meter um, radio. It works only in the two-meter band, which is inside of the VHF section of the spectrum. Um, now, two-meter is a very popular ham radio band. We use it for local communications, uh, either radio to radio or um, radio through uh, radio to radio through repeater, and um, two meter is very popular for that. Um, it has just five watts of maximum output power, uh, which you know is typical of a handheld type of a radio. Uh, the power source is four AA batteries in, that go into a pack. I believe they also made a rechargeable battery pack for this model radio, uh, but I don't have that. And then you can also connect it to an external 12-volt power supply. So you can like connect it to the 12 volts in your automobile if you want to, or something to that effect. It's a decent radio. It, um, it actually transmits and receives quite well. Um, it's a very simplistic in design. It has no uh, numeric keypad on it like most handhelds do today. So programming it can be a little bit interesting. It basically has a, a knob at the top that you use to, um, to, to select frequencies and things, and then just like several buttons. And by doing various combinations of, of key presses, and, and knob turning, you can, you can program it, you can save uh, frequencies in memory. Um, 
And so it's it's certainly usable. Um, I don't really use it too much anymore because I, I've, I've replaced it. Um, but it's, it's a nice uh, backup uh, two-meter handheld radio to have around. So more recently, I purchased, um, again used, this time it was at a ham fest, a Yezu VX6R. Now the reason I did that is I got to thinking that even though I don't use portable radios that much, it would be nice to have one that not only operated in the 2 meter band, but also the 70 centimeter band, which is the UHF portion of the spectrum. Because 70 centimeter is also a very popular uh, band for local um, communications. And I was finding more and more often that I just kind of wished I had one for UHF as well. So that's kind of why I purchased it. I paid about 75 US dollars for it. Uh, like I say, it operates in the 2 meter band, it operates in the 70 centimeter band, and it also operates in the 1 and a quarter meter band, which is otherwise known as the 220 megahertz band. So it's, it's a kind of, uh, you know, a little bit more featureful there. Um, it still just produces 5 watts of output on both 2 meters and 70 centimeters, only a watt and a quarter, or no, watt and a half on the one and a quarter meter. Um, it does have a nickel metal hydride uh, rechargeable battery, so that's kind of nice. It's a rugged design. In fact, it's even rated to be minimally submerged for relatively short periods of time. Not that I'm going to try that. Uh, but it also does have a wideband receiver on it that includes the normal AM and FM broad broadcast bands. So it's kind of cool. Um, I don't use it a lot. Uh, but it has come in handy in a number of, of circumstances um, recently. And like I said, I bought that, I think, just about a year ago. So that really covers portable operations as far as I'm concerned. Now, there's way, way more equipment that can be included in, in portable equipment. It's just I just haven't gotten into that personally. So let's move now to mobile operations. This is This is a gear that is, like I said, designed to be operated in a vehicle, but it doesn't have to be. I have only one radio that fits this uh, description, and in fact, it happens to be the very first radio I purchased. And when I purchased it, I first used it as just a base station radio uh, before putting it in the car. And that is the Yezu FT8800 dual band radio. Now that's a very popular radio. It's, it's older now. I think it's been discontinued, but a lot of people have these. A lot of people love these radios. They were very popular. I purchased it brand new. I think in about 2009. I'm guessing I paid around $300 for it US, but I don't remember if that's accurate or not, but it's somewhere in that time and that area. It is dual band. It operates in the 2 meter and 70 centimeter band uh, of the spectrum. Uh, so both, both VHF and UHF. Now it produces a lot more power than a portable. Uh, 50 watts instead of 5 watts. Output on 2 meter and 35 watts on 70 centimeter. Uh, so as an aside, when I first became a ham, as, as all new hams um, do, you know, we deliberate on, well, what should be our first radio? Uh, what should we get to, um, you know, to start this out? And a lot of people choose um, a handheld, portable handheld 
uh, walkie-talkie type radio. Um, kind of like either the Alinko that I have or the Yezu uh, that I have, or like the uh, the cheap Chinese ones, the Baofeng UV5R radios that Mr. X has been talking to us about. Um, a lot of people buy those because they're cheap. When I first was a ham, or first became a ham, I talked to a friend of mine, and he recommended that I rather spend the money and buy a mobile rig. And the reason is, is because it produces a lot more power output, and I would get a lot better results out of it than on a handheld. And it would be a much better initial experience. And so I followed that advice, and I think I think I'm I'm happy with that that I did that, and I would probably offer that as advice to any other new hams if you can afford a mobile radio. And they're actually they're they're cheaper now than they used to be. If you can afford a mobile radio, you'll probably be happier than with just a little handy talkie to start out with. Now you probably will want a handy talkie at some point, but uh, but anyway. Um, talking just a few more about the features of this this radio one of the things about this particular brand the f or this model the ft8800 is it has dual independent radios it's almost like there's two separate radios in it so not only is it dual band but there's it, it's dual receive you can select two frequencies at once and listen to them at the same time and they can either be in the two meter or 70 centimeter band um, either one uh, so two you can have two in the in the same band or two in separate bands now you can only transmit on one of those at once you select which one of those you want to transmit when you hit transmit on when you hit the push to talk button but that offers a lot of really cool ability uh, to be able to monitor um, different frequencies and that kind of thing. Since this is a mobile radio, one of the features it has that a lot of mobile radios have is it has a detachable control head. The, the, the portion of the radio that has the display and the knobs and buttons and various things, that can detach from the rest of the radio. So you can mount the radio someplace out of the way and then with a little special cable, connect it to the control head that you mount on your console someplace. And in fact, that's what I've done in my vehicle. I have the radio mounted to the floor underneath, underneath the passenger seat. And then I connect to the, um, to the remote control head um, that's mounted on the console. Again, since these are... Um, intended for mobile use. They're typically going to be powered by 12 volts DC external power source, which I have wired up to the battery in my vehicle. Um, the next thing, though, that you have to consider with mobile or with anything is what am I going to do about an antenna? Um, you want the antenna to be on the outside of the vehicle, and a common first step that most people do is to use a mag mount, a magnetic mount antenna. So it, it, has a, it has a pretty strong magnet that you can stick to the top of your car or the top of the trunk or, or whatever uh, works best. And then you run the feed line 
into the inside of the vehicle, usually going through like a door jam or something to that effect. And I did that for a while, and it works, but I then decided I wanted a more permanent um, antenna mount. And so I installed what's referred to as an NMO an antenna mount, which stands, I learned just recently, stands for new Motorola mount. So apparently this was originally designed or invented by Motorola. To install this mount, you actually have to drill a hole in the roof of your car or wherever you want to put it, which takes a little bit of um, intestinal fortitude to do. Um, you know, how badly do you want to drill a hole in the top of your car? And if it was a brand new car, I don't know if I would have the guts to do it or not. In my case, it was a used vehicle. Um, it's kind of an interesting process to do. In fact, if I ever do it again, I would probably try to do an HPR episode about it because I think that might be kind of interesting. But the advantage is, not to mention do you have a good solid mount to mount an antenna, but now the feed line is already inside the car, so you don't have to run it through a door jam. Um, the other thing that's kind of cool about it is that you can then screw on various different kinds of antennas. And I actually have two that I use. I have a Comet B10, uh, B-10 NMO mount, um, or antenna. It is a short little thing. It's probably, well, it, I guess I, it's probably about a half a meter in length, I guess, because it is a quarter wavelength on two meters. Um, and it is about a half wavelength on 70 centimeters. It's very short. It's not a terribly efficient antenna, but the reason I use it mostly is because with I can drive into my garage with it on, and it doesn't hit the, the, the top of the garage door. And so that's kind of my normal antenna that's there, and it works okay. Uh, but if I'm going to be out and about doing serious mobile operations uh, for a period of time, I will replace that with a Comet SBB-5 NMO mobile antenna, which is half wavelength on 2 meters and um, 2 and 5 eighths wavelength on 70 centimeters. It's much longer, it has much better gain, uh, it's more efficient, and so I get better reception um, with that. So that's my mobile station. Uh, pretty much that's it. Um, I think I mentioned I used this radio initially in the house as a base station, but then when I got another radio, I, I went ahead and put it back out in the car. So that brings us then to base station operations. And that's really what a lot of people mean when they talk about their ham shack. They're really talking about your, your base fixed station and... Um, you know, a lot of people have a lot more equipment in their base station than they do, say, in their car, although that's not always true. My base station is fairly simple. Um, the centerpiece of it is an ICOM 746 Pro radio. Now, this is what would be referred to as an HF radio with VHF as well. Let me explain what that kind of means. Um, so I mentioned that for like local communications, you're typically using the two meter or 70 centimeter VHF or UHF. 
When you want to get into long distance communication, you go down into lower frequencies, frequencies in what we refer to as the HF portion of the spectrum. And as amateurs, we have allocations in quite a few bands um, inside of that HF section. Anywhere from the 160 meter to 80 meter, 40 meter, 30 meter, 20, 17, 15, 12, 10. We have allocations in all of those bands. Um, and this radio will work in all of those bands. Um, it produces a hundred watts of maximum output. Um, it, it does all modes. It's, it's referred to as all modes. So, the, the other radios I talked about already, both the handhelds and the, um, and the mobile, um, are strictly FM, frequency modulation radios, uh, which is common for that kind of radio. When you get into HF, you often want to use other modes. This one will do FM, but it also does AM, which is amplitude modulation. It also does single sideband, which is probably the most popular, um, voice um, voice uh, mode, I should, I should say, single sideband, which is a form of AM, actually, and then CW, uh, which stands for continuous wave, and um, it's what's used for Morse code uh, communication. So it'll do all of those things. I bought this one used, again, off of eBay, and at the time, I think I paid a little under $1,000 U.S. Um, you can get them cheaper now. It's an older radio. It was probably new in around the 2000 time frame, maybe late 90s, uh, something to that effect. I bought it probably in about 2012, 13, somewhere in that time frame, I believe. It's... It's a fairly simple radio, but yet it's very capable. It uh, does, well, it does everything that I have time to do as far as, right now, as far as, um, you know, HF, long distance type communications. Like I say, with all radios, um, you do have to consider antennas. Oh, well, first I'll say power source. The power source on this radio is also 12 volts DC. So, in the house, I have to have a source of 12-volt DC power. And for that, I have a, an MFJ4225MV power supply. Now, this thing has an adjustable voltage from 9 to 15 volts. I usually keep it right at the 13.8 uh, volts, which is kind of the typical automotive voltage range it will produce up to 25 amps of output. So that's way more power output than, say, like a benchtop uh, power supply that you would use for, like, electronics testing or something like that. You need a fairly high current uh, power supply. And I actually bought that brand new way back in 2009 with the Yaesu FT8800, um, when I first used it as a base station, I used this power supply on that. And it still works just fine. I use it now on this ICOM 746 Pro. Um, so now we go to antennas. I really only have one HF antenna that is currently in use. And that is a vertical antenna that was made by a local ham. He 
he kind of designed um, a set of antennas and he sells them to local people. He calls this one a Grasshopper 2. Um, I guess it's the second version. Uh, it, like I say, it's a vertical antenna. It probably it sits on the ground. It sits on the ground and sticks up in the air probably, well, probably around 20 meters high. It's pretty tall. Um, or wait, that might be too tall. But it's pretty tall. Um, and then it also has uh, wires running out along the ground in eight different directions. We call those radials. And we could talk for a long time on how antennas work and how you tune antennas and that kind of thing. And that's that subject for another show or another series of shows, probably. Um, the thing about that antenna is that it is a non-resonant antenna, which, again, I'm not going to get into that too much, but what it does mean is that in order to use it, you have to have an antenna tuner device. Well, this ICOM 746 Pro Radio does have a built-in tuner. Um, and it does work to some extent. However, the tuning range of it is a little bit limited. And so I really kind of needed to get a, an external tuner, a separate tuner. And I started out by purchasing an MFJ949E, which is a manual antenna tuner. I think I got that off eBay, didn't I? I believe I did. Um, it has knobs on it that you have to adjust to tune the antenna. It works. It's kind of a pain to use. And so recently, actually probably my most recent major amateur radio purchase was um, an LDG Electronics um, automatic tuner. It's the AT200 Pro 2 automatic antenna tuner. Um, I purchased it new at a ham fest here just uh, a few months ago, actually. What's cool about it is that it has a special cable that works with ICOM radios. Others, too, I think. But I can plug it into this ICOM radio, and the ICOM radio can control it just as if it, as if it was an internal tuner. And so it really meshes well with this radio has a much better tuning range, and it works uh, quite well. Uh, I've been pretty happy with it, the, the little that I've used it uh, since then. All right, so that's you know, that's my only base station radio, just that one. Um, oh, I should mention that, as I said, in addition to the radio supporting all the HF frequencies, it also um, works on the 6-meter band, which is technically in the VHF portion of the spectrum, but it kind of behaves more like an HF frequency to some extent. And so it's pretty common that, that a lot of HF radios will also work in 6 meters, even though that's not technically um, HF. But then this particular one also does work in the 2 meter band. And so that's what I use in my base station for two meter uh, communication. And the antenna I use for that is an antenna. It's a, it's a fiberglass vertical antenna. I don't remember the brand name. It, it was sort of an off brand. 
Um, I again, I purchased that with the FT eighty eight hundred back in my initial, you know, day one purchase, um, and I used it on that radio for a while. Now I use it on this one. It's attached to the chimney of my house, and um, it works. It works well. And with this hundred watt radio, I can talk to repeaters, you know. Well, well, in excess of fifty miles away or more, and it works uh, works quite nicely. So now we get to kind of the more miscellaneous uh, type things. Uh, one of the things that most ham shacks have nowadays is a computer, and uh, because you use a computer for a lot of things, you can use it for logging, but you can also use it for uh, what we call digital modes, digital communications, and uh, rig control, controlling your radios, all kinds of things. I have a, a little computer that, that started out with a mini ATX motherboard that somebody gave me with a CPU on it, and I bought a case for it, put it in there. Um, I'm running Zubuntu 1604 on it. Um, I have a little 15-inch LCD monitor. That's kind of my computer at, at present, although I'm kind of looking to upgrade that probably. Um, then, as I mentioned, we have digital communications. So digital communications is where you connect a computer to a radio and you are actually sending data over the air through that radio. Well, in order to do that, you need a, a device that interfaces between the computer and the radio. And I purchased the West Mountain Rig Blaster Advantage interface. Um, it has a USB uh, cable on it that goes into the computer, and then you connect it to the radio through the um, the headphones and microphone jack, basically. Um, and what's interesting about this one, there's several of them like this, is it actually has a built-in sound card. Uh, because the way these digital communications work is you take your data and you turn it into a series of tones and those tones get transmitted and then on the other side when you receive those tones you then uh, convert those tones back into data and so you need a sound interface in order to do that and you can use the sound interface that's in your car uh, your computer uh, no problem but uh, the more advanced um, interface devices such as this rig blaster actually has a built-in sound card and so when I plug it into the USB of the computer it shows up as a second sound card in the computer and so then when I'm using the digital communication software it uses that sound card and on the outside there's some little knobs that you can use to adjust the levels of the sound which is very important when dealing with digital communications. Um, Digital communications is really another whole episode in of itself. It's one that I might try to do sometime, uh, but if somebody beats me to it, by all means, go for it. I'm no expert in it, but I have dabbled some. Um, but anyways, that's the device that I have for, um, for that kind of thing. Another device I have that's kind of in the miscellaneous category is an antenna analyzer. I have the MFJ269C, which is a fairly popular one on the cheap end of the scale. Um, when you're building an antenna, you, you often want to 
check how that antenna is tuned, and an antenna analyzer helps with that. Uh, you, you, you plug it in, and you it, what it does is it's, it transmits a very, very weak signal, and then it looks at the signal coming back, and you adjust it for, for tuning. Again, I'm not going to get into the details of that at this time, because uh, this episode would get way too long. A few other pieces of miscellaneous gear I have uh, that I use is a stereo headphone that has a microphone on it, and then also a push-to-talk pedal, um, so that you the pedal that you operate with your foot to operate the push-to-talk, and those two things together, the headphone and the push-to-talk or the pedal, gives you the opportunity to be completely hands-free when you're operating, so that um, you can you know, write in your logbook or type on your computer or do whatever else you need to do. Um, so that's kind of kind of nice. I just have some cheap ones. Again, I bought off eBay. They were new, but I bought them off of eBay. Um, I have made a few dipole-type antennas in my day. I don't have any of them up right now. Um, I also have, you know, as all hams, over time we collect all manner of you know, bits and pieces of coax, feed line, uh, connectors, adapters, you know, things like that. And I sure, certainly have my share of that. Um, another thing that I guess is miscellaneous or maybe base station that I'm starting to get into and I want to more is I have a little bit of equipment that deals with software-defined radio. Um, I have the one of the RTL SDR dongles. Um, I've got some little Raspberry Pis that can be used with that stuff and some of that kind of thing. That's, that's an area I want to learn more about and do more in coming up, which actually is a good segue to the last little thing here. And that is, you know, I, there's a temptation to not do an episode like this until I finish some aspect of my ham shack that is not finished. The problem is, is a ham shack is never finished. You never get to that point where you just say, well, this is perfect. I don't want to add anything more. I don't want to change anything. There's always something you want to do different or add. And, and so, you know, embrace that. Don't, don't worry about if your ham shack is not perfect. Um, and so what would I like to do in my ham shack? Well, first of all, I need more antennas. Um, I've got, I've got, radio gear here that can use, that can access more bands and frequencies than I have antennas that can do it. And so I need to catch up on the antenna uh, front. I would like to put up some form of a tower sometime, maybe within the next year, uh, that I can put some antennas on. I live out in the country, outside of town, so I have the room to do it. Uh, I just need the need to make the time and priority to do that. <clears throat> I would like to do some work with organizing just the space a little bit better. Uh, right now, well, my ham shack is in the basement of the house. Um, I have a room that's on the outside wall in the basement. There's a counter here that I have that I've got all my stuff setting on, and that's fine. But I would like to um, enhance the space with a little bit better power sources, 
I'd like to do a better job of grounding. Station grounding is kind of a thing that you don't have to be perfect on that to, to have a functional um, ham shack, but it it's, it's helps. Um, so I'd like to get into that. Like I said, I would like to do more with uh, software-defined radio stuff. I'd like to get into uh, satellite communications a little bit more, which I have most of what I would need for that. I just need to get around to doing it. Um, and then at some point, I probably would like a more modern, you know, main base station radio. This, this ICOM 746 Pro is getting pretty long in the tooth, but at this point, really, you know, if I bought something now, I really wouldn't justify I really couldn't justify it because I wouldn't use the, the features that it has that this radio doesn't at this point. Uh, I hope to maybe work into uh, where, where that would be true. So that's my ham shack. It's quite simple. I guess one of the things I hope by going through this is that I, I uh, you know, impart the knowledge on those that are maybe interested in ham radio that you don't have to do uh, anything fancy to have a functional station. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, you can buy used stuff. eBay is a little bit risky because you don't see what you're getting. If you can find it at a ham, sh a ham fest or something like that, um, that might be better. But you can, you can you know, buy used you can you can get into it. You can do a lot of things with not that much money today. Um, and so, you know, if you have an interest in it, go for it and see what you can accomplish. It's a, it's an experimenter's hobby. Uh, you're never gonna you know finish um, do everything there is to do. There's always something new. So just uh, get into it and go if it's something that interests you. Uh, so that's really all I've got for today. I uh, hope this hasn't gotten too long and boring. Um, if there's other hams out there that would do a show and make this a series of what's in my ham shack, I think that would be awesome. Um, and uh, also, you know, we'd like to kind of continue this amateur radio roundtable idea. Um, we've had some interest, but the interest has not been terribly consistent so if you're interested in that um, you know say something um, make a comment on the email list or something like that and and maybe we can uh, we can grow that a little bit as well so with that I'm going to sign off uh, I hope everybody has a good day and tune in next time to another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.